A. What up, Long Beach? It is playoff football season here in the LBC. We are the 562.org. I'm JJ. He's Mike. He's Tyler. We are previewing the two football games that are involving our local teams in the postseason. Lakewood going to be at home. Milliken going to be on the road. We are going to be talking about Long Beach Poly and Los Sal a lot next week because that's when that game is. They have a bye this week. We're going to have a pair of podcasts as well as a bunch of preview articles for that great game that's going to be at Veterans Memorial Stadium on Veterans Day. As I said, we are going to be talking about the Milliken game that involves Tyler doing so much work He sat through a school board meeting. More on that in just a minute. But on Friday night, guys, there is going to be one game in town. JJ, did we tell him to do that? I thought he was just doing that for fun. It's going to be at Lakewood. Lakewood (laughs) taking on Hemet in their opening round game. Guys, I cannot say enough about the work that Justin Utupo and his coaching staff have done over at Lakewood to get that thing headed in the right direction last year struggle as much as they did in the preseason this year and then get it cooking at the right time. They have scored 91 points in their last two games in the more league season that they needed to get into the postseason for the first time in three years. And they're doing it at the newly refurbished John Ford stadium. It just could not all be lining up more perfectly for the Lakewood Lancers right now. I saw Lakewood, you know, a month or so ago, and they could not have been more sort of like lost in the woods as far as their offensive identity. Not really sure what they were doing. Um, pretty stale. You know what I mean? Pretty like by the end of the first quarter, I felt like I had a pretty good handle on what they were doing. What happened? What did you guys see in the last two weeks of covering this team of how they were able to become a team that clearly knows what they're about? knows who their guys are and knows who they're going to on third down. Like what, what, what happened there? And you know, how incredible of a turnaround do you think that was? It's funny because I've kind of only seen Lakewood recently. I was really late to the party as far as seeing, I didn't see them in the non-league at all. So I, I really kind of came into it just kind of watching the videos and hearing what you guys were saying, but I think it starts up front, right? It starts with the line of scrimmage, controlling that line of scrimmage really on both sides of the ball in these last couple wins and, and then feeding off of, Caleb Foster just kind of being that workhorse and then opening everything else up and just giving a little bit more freedom for Braden Downing to go ahead and make plays um, at quarterback. They've got the depth of skill positions and they can really spread the ball around. But I do think it's really coming down to focus on having an effective running game and building off from that. And then the red swarm being rested, healthy, and just flying all over the place. Is that, is that kind of your read on it, JJ? I would agree. It is all about the trenches. You've seen a massive change in the physicality and the way that group carries themselves. Obviously, I'm talking about uh, guys like uh, Big Mike, Mike Salinas on the offensive line and guys like Raheem Moore, uh, big number 99 on the defensive line. These are two dudes who you see coming. You know what I mean? They they are loads down there in the trenches and they have been doing a great job of leading by example and just being more physical. I also think you have to mention the schedule breaking out nicely for a team trying to get momentum late in the season. Lakewood plays Mayfair and Long Beach Poly back-to-back weeks at the beginning of September. Those are two good teams. Those are two teams who are going to make a decent amount of noise in the playoffs. And those are two teams that beat Lakewood pretty soundly. Lakewood then responds by going to Cabrillo and winning a shutout. And then they beat Jordan. And what is the game that basically made their season what it was? Because if they lose to Jordan and then lose to Milliken, they probably would have lost the playoff spot. But they beat Jordan in a 31-18 game, a right 
rivalry game, no less, uh, at home to uh, to take down the Panthers and get into that playoff position. And imagine your mental state as an offensive or defensive lineman after going up against Mayfair and Polly, and you just stick with it. You you keep to the plan. You work the process, and then you get to enjoy wins over Cabrillo and Jordan. They were flying high when they then got to those Milliken, Wilson, and Compton games, and the offensive output showed it. And the defensive tackles for loss showed it. And so I think that the confidence level in the trenches was as more, or if not more important than the uh, actual skill level, because they were always talented. You know, Justin Atupo has said that all season. He's like, this is a talented team. We're just trying to figure it out. And I think having confidence gave them the ability to read between the lines and see if they simplified that rushing attack. If they simplified what they're doing in the front seven defensively, they could actually make some noise. And that looks like what they're ready to do. Yeah, I think uh, that's the other thing, too, simplifying things, JJ, where when you establish that running game, it's easy when you have a big arm quarterback like Braden Down and that you kind of instinctively want to take the top off and kind of stretch the field and kind of start there. But I think they've been more effective starting closer to the line of scrimmage, throwing some swing passes, some screens and letting their athletes work in space. But then as we saw in that Compton game, when they did need a big pass play after they'd been pounding the rock and that line of scrimmage, it was available over the top. Boom, he hits a 50-yard touchdown over the top to Sean Lane. So I think it's sort of reworking that offensive approach, and it certainly worked out. Yeah, and I, I just want to the, – the point I want to make, because I think what you guys are also making is an argument for a scheduling philosophy on Justin Utupo's part, right? Because we all said before the year, I think JJ and I both had, in sort of our internal discussions, Lakewood probably looks like the third-place team behind, uh, behind you know, Polly and Milliken to us. Like – Really talented roster. So they come out, they play Orange Vista, San Dimas, high school football rules, Laguna Hills, and Mayfair. They score 13 against Orange Vista. They score 16 against San Dimas in a win. They score seven against Laguna Hills. They score eight against Mayfair. They play Polly and score six. And basically, it sounds to me like the argument that you guys are making is playing better teams that they struggled against prepared them better for that more league gauntlet than maybe get, you know, racking up more wins against lower competition and then getting into these games with, you know, Milliken, Wilson, Compton and looking a little bit more lost. Is that kind of what, what you guys are saying? Yes, I think so. I think they are a good example of scheduling tougher in the preseason to prepare them for league, but they still did have to win two games in a row. So the, they put the pressure on themselves at the end of the season, but they came through in impressive fashion, um, kind of just blowing the doors off of Wilson and then really finishing strong in that fourth quarter against Compton to, to earn their playoff spot. But this is an interesting thing, and I'll kind of throw this question to you, JJ. Playoff, playoff runs are, you know, win or go home. You ha- It's a must-win game. And for Lakewood, it feels like they're probably already in the quarterfinals because they've played – with that playoff mentality the last two weeks in a row coming off of their bye. So it's like they had the reset of the bye week. And then basically it's like, all right, it's playoffs the rest of the season. How can they keep that intensity and that momentum going for the next month if they want to make a run through this bracket? Yeah, it's the ultimate just handle what's in front of you one game at a time, one day at a time. It's a mantra. It's a classic coach quote, but it's also very true. If you can't possibly think about next week because next week isn't guaranteed, you are more likely to perform better and have more focus on the thing right in front of you. And you're right. They had nothing but focus on Wilson, nothing but focus on Compton, and now have nothing but focus on Hemet, who's a good football team. 
You know, they're going to have to travel. They're going to have to go a distance. They're going to have to come to Lakewood in what should be a pretty hostile environment because of good student support and good community support. Shouts to Lakewood. Get out there. Like I said, only game in town. So let's turn that thing out. Let's fill those stands. Show them what the, show them what this football area and community is all about. But Hemet's a good football team that's going to have something for this Lakewood team. And I think the biggest uh, matchup is going to be the Lakewood defense, Lakewood's front seven against the rushing attack of Hemet. Hemet has a good defense. They have not seen the speed that Lakewood has. We saw it last year when uh, teams like Jordan made runs in the playoffs in those lower divisions where those teams just did not know what to do with Jordan Washington because they had never seen a Jordan Washington. Well, Hemet's never seen a Caleb Foster. They're, they've never seen a Zion Smith. So that's going to be tough. But I think the, the matchup we need to watch is that Lakewood Red Swarm front seven against this Hemet rushing attack. That's pretty darn good. They're running back down to Mendoza. Number three is averaging over 119 yards per game this season. He's got 11 touchdowns over a thousand yards rushing. And then their quarterback, number 13, Drazen Lopez, that is D-R-A-Z-E-N or Dra- V-E-N, Draven, sorry, uh, Draven Lopez he also runs the ball incredibly well for the Bulldogs. So you look at this and you're like, okay, well, Polly's Polly's good. They've also got a running quarterback. Milliken's good. They're running quarterback involved this year. Wilson's quarterback kept running. We've even got a pretty good running quarterback ourselves in Braden Downing. So Milliken's schedule, the, the part that they didn't even choose also prepares them incredibly well for this Hemet team because they've had to play mobile quarterbacks all season long. So they're going to be ready to have to do things like spying late on third down and long and stuff like that, where you can't let the, the Hemet team get those little chunks of yards that add up to bigger chunks of yards later in the game. So I think Lakewood, because of the schedule they made and the schedule they did not choose, are perfectly positioned for this game. Absolutely. So that is the game within our city limits this Friday. The game far beyond our city limits is the one that Tyler and Mike are going to. It's at Saugus. That's where the Millican Rams are going to open up their playoff road. It's something they did last year. Go on the road, play a higher ranked team, look like underdogs. It's kind of the style of that football program, so it works for them. There's also this whole other thing going on off slash maybe on the field that we'll talk about in just a second. But football first, Tyler. Football always first. What do you see walking into this game for the Millican Rams against Saugus? So, yeah, I mean, fortunately for Millican, it'll be at uh, College of the Canyon. So it won't be on the Saugus campus and it'll be like a you know bigger venue, kind of, you know, a junior college field, which is good. Um, I mean, I see a Millican passing game that's fully healthy, really, for the first time all year and fully available. There, there haven't been, I think it's about a game and a half that – uh, Miles Jackson had the available quartet of receivers that we were hyping up all during the preseason of Ryan Pelham, uh, returning more league player of the year, uh, Jordan Anderson, another, both those guys, super high profile recruits, and then a couple more college receivers in Angelo Miranda and Matt Martinez, uh, as seniors, those four, I mean, that's a tough cover for anybody, but we really just haven't seen it out on the field. And, uh, I talked to, to miles uh, during practice earlier this week. And he's excited. You know, he feels like it is a return to normal for them, even though we haven't gotten to see it out on the field. So that's super dangerous. And, you know, uh, coach Pelham talked about, they need to score in this game. You go back to that Camarillo game last year. It it looks like a very similar test, right? It's a long bus trip to a a very different area uh, of the state. 
against a team that's got the home field advantage, higher ranked. They even have the same color scheme. So it feels very much like the same test that they got last year, but Milliken much more prepared in this game, given that they're going to have more of their full complement of players, but they just didn't score enough. They lost that game 17-14, and for a Milliken offense, you got to score more than two touchdowns. Right? I mean, that's that's the what you're expecting from this offense to be more prolific. So they've got to find a way to light up the scoreboard early and often. I know the fog was a big factor at that Camarillo game. If you guys remember, the weather um, did impact a lot of those things. But I think a year older, a year more confident with more chemistry, they're more positioned to do that. And then can their defense also, you know, do enough to help them win that football game? Yeah, uh, Tyler, please go into more into that. What do you see from this Saugus football team that should make the Millican defense either nervous or excited about what's going on on Friday? Well, it's interesting, JJ. Um, obviously, it's, you know, Millican's strength is in their defensive secondary. Um, Saugus fairly balanced, but, you know, they're not sure if they're going to have their leading rusher in this game. Um, and so that would potentially throw off their game plan, but certainly something that, um, that Milliken is wary of is being able to stop the run. And especially when you're going up against a high profile, high scoring offense, you want to possess the ball, limit their possessions, keep the ball out of miles Jackson's hand. So really it's going to be important for that Milliken front seven, um, to make sure that whoever's running the ball. Uh, for Saugus isn't finding much success and that they can keep the ball in the hands of their offense. That's really the biggest thing. And then they have to protect Miles Jackson. I mean, you're looking at the biggest like matchup of the, you know, the key matchup on the field. For me, it's can that Millican offensive line protect Miles Jackson and give him time? Because there's no way that Saugus is going to be able to cover that quartet of receivers for, you know, four or five seconds. You know what I mean? Like they're going to need help from that front seven. Um, Dario Sandoval and Dion Turner, uh, both pretty good size on that defensive line. They've combined for 17 sacks this year. So those are the guys that Milliken's really going to have to be careful with and make sure they're protecting Miles and giving him time. Because if he's got a clean pocket and he can sit back there, we've seen it all year. He'll light you up. He can throw over the top. He can throw across the middle. He can dunk it down. He can run for 10, 15 yards. So really that Milliken offensive line has to focus on protecting nine. There's this old Mike Tyson saying, uh, everybody's got a plan until you punch them in the mouth. Very true. Very true from people who've had plans and also people who've got punched in the mouth. I think that the physicality of these two games will decide it. And I would give the pregame edge to Milliken and Lakewood because of the schedule we talked about, because of the teams they had to play, because of the variety of things that they had to teach and get taught throughout the season. I think that the size, strength, and physicality in the trenches is what's going to earn Lakewood and Milliken wins this Friday night. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I'd get with that. I mean, playoff football is one up front, right? I mean, that's, I mean, most football is one up front, honestly, but, but yeah, I think that'll be, I think that'll be, be a big key. Mike, uh, what do you got? Well, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that's a hundred percent the case for Lakewood. I think for me with Milliken, you know, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about Sagas in a couple minutes, but where I would focus in on Milliken's story is this is a very different Milliken team than the one that went to Camarillo. Um, you know, they have been battle tested this year. They went out of state together um, and won a really close game. I know JJ and I had talked a little bit on our preview podcast before the season about this is a team that's kind of like blown people out or lost. You know, they hadn't won a lot of close games. And this year, I think that Jordan win is humongous for this football team. I think that win in Arizona is humongous for this football team. And, you know, they, they obviously the other big part of their storyline this season is 
you know, they lose their head coach for two really critical games um, against Jordan and Polly. And, you know, teams uh, look, high school football is not played on a spreadsheet. Like these are human beings with emotions and, and they're big emotions because they're teenagers. And the way that they were able to rally, come back together clearly, you know, the, the, the school put out the video of the football team reacting when the principal told them that um, Romeo Pelham was coming back. Clearly they stayed together through that. Um, and I think that that's really significant. I just think that all of those things put together last year, they went into the playoffs as a really talented young team that was sort of hoping to go out and score 50 points every game, you know, and I did, I didn't, I don't think we would have had a lot of confidence that they knew how to win that game 20 to 17. Um, you know, I feel a lot better about that this year with them, uh, making that road trip. So that's the thing I would just say about them. I think that there's a lot of cause for, um, optimism about the group that they put together and what they've been through and what they've come through. The flip side of that is they're in a much better bracket this year than they were last year. That division four bracket, starting with this really long road trip, um, is going to be a bigger challenge than last year's. I think if you put this year's Milliken team in last year's division, what is division seven, correct? Six. Division six. You put them in last year's division six bracket with the teams they were in there with, you see them whatever you want to see them. I feel pretty good about the chances. You know, yeah. this division four is going to be a, a step up. Um, but I'm excited to see how they do, and I'm definitely very optimistic for the chances on Friday. Well, yeah. Maybe, yeah, tumultuous maybe. season, bro. Tumultuous season, to say the least. Go ahead, Tyler. I know I know. let's get into it. Uh, th- there's a reason why you were watching the Saugus Unified School District uh, school board meeting on Wednesday night. So Yeah, the heart of school board meetings. Um, but, yeah, I mean, maybe – I was just thinking maybe Long Beach can win back-to-back Division Four championships. That could be the new uh, the new Moore League, <laughs> Moore League championship route. The Moore I'm- League loves Division Four, guys. We are aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> Shouts to Millican Girls Golf getting that championship, making school history this week in D4. Quality shout-out for the Rams. And just so you guys know, the uh, Millican-Saugus matchup, not the first one of the week because the Saugus girls tennis team came to Millican and won a wild card uh, game earlier this week. So It's just, uh, like, the, it's just like the World Series and uh, NFL football on Thursday night. Exactly the same. Revenge, revenge on the mind. Um, yeah, so definitely the, the controversy that has swirled around Saugus football all year – uh, and we, we touched on it when the, when the brackets came out and that was kind of the immediate reaction from, uh, from coach Pelham with the draw was that was kind of all he had heard or knew about the team was um, surrounding the inclusion of the thin blue line flag as the, you know, Saugus team ran on the field. They'd been doing it since the start of this season. Um, and, you know, just the community, there was some, some backlash to it. Uh, eventually the decision was made by, um, the superintendent of the district, as well as the head football coach, that the school would no longer, the team would no longer be carrying the flag out onto the field. Uh, that was in effect um, for about five weeks, I believe, until the uh, regular season finale. One of the players um, for Saugus did bring that flag out just before kickoff. Um, there had obviously been, there'd been displays in the crowd where people intentionally wore the shirts to sort of, you know, show support for, for the player and, and for law enforcement and everything. Um, but definitely a big hot button issue in Santa Clarita. Uh, and not, obviously I <laughs> get America as a broader look at it as well. And so that was the main discussion of <laughs> public comment during the uh, school board meeting uh, on Wednesday, um, but very even split. It's clear that this is a community divided about uh, this particular symbol, this particular flag Um Santa Clarita as an area, very um, steeped with law enforcement. A lot of law enforcement personnel live there. It's part of that community culture, which is a different community culture than we have here in Long Beach. 
And I think we can just sort of start off by saying this is an interesting component. And we talked about this um, at our, on our previous pod, an interesting component of high school sports, bringing two very different communities together, kids from unbelievably different backgrounds that do not and probably will not see the world the same way. Um, and they're going to play football against each other. And we'll see who ends up being better prepared and making the better decisions and, you know, having the ball bounce their way. We'll, we'll see what happens at the end of it. But um, it's definitely been a huge topic of discussion that could very directly impact this game um, based on this rule violation of this rule that was uh, set up or this decision that was made um, by the head coach and the you know district superintendent. What are the consequences, if any, for the flying of the flag, you know, and, and we're going to have to see if that does end up impacting the football game, not just the, you know, fervor of the crowd and what people are wearing and waving surrounding the football. game. I will say uh, we're probably going to be rolling film from the moment we get out of the car. Uh, <laughs> I want to bring Sargis. a GoPro, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for that exact reason. Yeah, I, um, you, you watched the whole school board meeting. I just tuned in for a couple minutes of it. You said it when you said the community was divided, you know, I thought um, not to be too like both sidesism, uh, both sidesist or whatever, but I, I thought there was really impassioned, well thought out arguments um, from sort of both sides of their community, at least on this issue. Um, and, you know, also one woman who I, I really identified with is someone who covered uh, a year and a half worth of very tense uh, school board meetings in Long Beach. The one woman who just stood up and was basically like, why are we all fighting? Like we all live in the same community. We all believe in the same stuff. You know, like I really am bothered by some of the divisiveness I've heard from both sides of this. Um, and, you know, I think there's, there's probably a lot of us in the country who sort of <laughs> generally feel that way. Um, every time you, uh, you wake up and turn on social media or whatever, but um, very, <laughs> yeah, but you, you, you said it. I mean, this is what, this is what separates high school sports. You know, I, I, this is not a Dolphins Bengals game. This is, this is a game where there's a community pride on the line. There's what you feel you represent in your community. And that means something different to different people, even from the same community. There's people from Belmont Shore and Naples and Long Beach who feel they represent Long Beach in a different way than I might, right? Like that's how you can say, wow, I love Sublime. I love Jenny Rivera. I love Snoop Dogg and Nate Dogg. Like these are all different parts of Long Beach and, and they represent different communities. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how this plays out. I'm hopeful that it's, um, I'm hopeful, you know, it's an interesting story, but I'm hopeful that it's not like the story from the game. Um, although given that this kid is the league MVP, I mean, he's one of the best players on their team, if not the best player, there's no doubt that the decision of whether or not to suspend him or sit him for part of a playoff football game is going to end up also being a really big part of the game between the lines. Would you not agree? Uh, yeah, I, I would totally agree. I also think just as like a overall thought experiment right now, if you're listening to this, consider how you feel about flags. Are, are, are flags flown in order to change people's minds? Do you want somebody watching you flying a flag and then thinking, hmm, maybe they've got a point? Or are flags flown in order to express your own feelings and then let people decide what they want to decide? Or are you trying to intimidate someone? Why do you fly a flag? It's so that you know where you are or somebody else knows where they are. I think that's just an interesting way of looking at it because many a football team have run out of the tunnel holding many a variety of flags. 
but this one is viewed differently. That, that, that's interesting to me. More importantly, though, if you are the school district of a high school, you make a rule and someone breaks that rule, there has to be a punishment. Or you don't get to make rules anymore. <laughs> or when you do make your next rule, no one's going to take you seriously. So I think that's very important. Secondly, if something can I, can I, can I, can I, ju- can I jump in on that one point, Jage? Because I think you you hit something that I think the three of us have talked about off air right on the head there, which is um, I don't think that their school district has handled this issue well. And I think that they've kind of backed themselves into a corner over this. Because if you issue a press release that says this flag represents divisiveness and um, and we you know we understand why people feel threatened by it. You're not allowed to fly it anymore. And that's specifically why you said you're not allowed to fly that flag. And then someone does fly the flag. You have to. You've made an ultimatum. And as anyone who's in a marriage or any kind of relationship knows, if you make an ultimatum, and the other person crosses the red line you put down, well, either what JJ just said, either you take some kind of action or. Don't bother drawing any lines in the sand anymore. Yeah, the, the school district itself, I believe, did a big thing badly by making this a bigger deal than it needed to be. You don't alert the media in order to make a thing smaller. If you're alerting the media, you're making it bigger on purpose. So then when this thing gets big, now they actually have to stand up, like Mike said, to the rule that they created. But think about but think about it in the way in which you thought about it when you were 17 years old, right? If somebody tells you not to do something, the majority of us and our friends would on, get man. together and rowl ourselves up in order to do that thing and do it into somebody's face and then expect to get in trouble. So not because we cover Milliken, not because of the way we feel about social issues, and certainly not because of the way we feel about flags and where you fly them. I think that if the district makes a rule and you break that rule, you should be punished full stop. And I think a lot of people are going to look at this as a racial, social, law enforcement issue, which is part of it. Absolutely. If this kid ran out with a flag that said, love everyone, I don't think that the school district would have stepped in and said, you know what? I don't know, man. Some people don't deserve love. The the issue is not the structure of the flag. But the issue is not the structure of the flag. (laughs) It's the fact that he broke the rule. You break the rule, you pay the price. You know who would agree with that? Law enforcement. Great point, JJ. So I, I, I mean, I do think that's ultimately what it comes down to because you could make the argument on either side, and it definitely happened at the school board meeting on the whether the the flag should be allowed, whether the students can you know make those expressions on the field or they shouldn't, whatever. But ultimately, the decision was made in conjunction with the coach. So when that is overstepped, what is the you know punishment for that? So the player's dad was among the speakers and he volunteered the information like, Hey, this is my son that's involved in all of this. Um, and you know, he made the point that, uh, you know, his, his son just wanted to honor his dad as his grandfather, you know, members of the family and law enforcement. And so, but ultimately he did know that he was violating a rule. Um, you know, the, the dad went on to, to reference that, you know, there would be punishments. He said, it should only be on my son. It should not be on the team. He should be the only person punished though. He doesn't believe that he should be. Right. But ultimately, but, 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 but I, I would add, that's the interesting thing when this stuff gets in front of a school board, because you never know when you're going to end up with a 4-1 vote that says you should forfeit a football game. I mean, you know what I mean? You never know when you're getting a hard left out of people who they don't work in sports. 
this is not their world and they right. don't necessarily understand it so you made the point that the dad said that he also said he also accused the Milliken coaches yeah, this was of why. calling the school to try and make sure that the kid was suspended. And I had a lot of respect for the dad because he said, hey, if I was him, I'd do the same thing because he's been running over everybody all year. <laughs> and look, we're not here to mince words about that. Like Milliken's chances of winning this game will go up if this kid's not playing. Like that's just, you know, not saying that's they the X's and O's of high school football. Yes. Yeah. Also, like, also nobody said – Nobody said the punishment for doing this was blank. There was no like part of the press release was, and if anybody ever flies that flag again, they're going to have to sit out the first quarter of the following week's game. That's not part of the thing. So if they wanted to give this kid detention for the rest of the year, if they wanted to give him the Bart Simpson category of, uh, of, of, of whatever, like authority figures, if they wanted to skinner this situation, they could absolutely do that. Nobody's telling him what to do. Just like nobody told them to release that press release. It's all on them, dude. It's all on them. And ultimately, uh, it, it's going to be fascinating to see how the, the community sort of rallies because, you know, you've got, you know, a Long Beach community coming in, as I mentioned, very different, um, you know, set of values, you could say. Um, and as we talked about, a very fresh uh, wound at Milliken specifically in that community of seeing someone, uh, not a high school student, but very close in age, being killed by a law enforcement officer feet from campus within the last two years. That's also part of the broader context at Saugus High as well, where they had a school shooting um, back in 2019. Um, obviously, two tragedies in you know in very different um, in very different ways, and it's it's meaningful to people, and they're going to express that in, in different ways that they express it. But it's not true across the board for every person. You know, not everybody that wears that shirt or flies that flag is picturing the same thing, is doing it for the same reasons. Obviously, it has been co-opted by hate groups. That is not news to anyone. You've seen it on the news. And that was brought up a lot during the school board meeting, mentioning that. And others were saying like, hey, this is, um, you know, this is really deeply personal uh, to a lot of families in this community to show their support. I think one of the more interesting things that was brought up uh, was saying that there's a lot of different ways that, uh, that you can honor law enforcement where people wouldn't say, I feel threatened or I feel like this is adjacent to hate groups or, uh, you know, white supremacists and racists and all this. Um, and I think that's the, the compelling thing to say, no one's suggesting law enforcement shouldn't be honored and respected. Um, it's a necessary component of our society going back, uh, you know, generations, obviously. Um, but are there ways to do it in which people don't feel like you're intentionally threatening, antagonizing or sending messages in other ways or with other meaning can you do a you know moment of recognition on the field can you fly uh the flag that has the um you know the badge of your local law enforcement can you do uh you know uh appreciation nights where it's like military first responders and law enforcement they get into the game for free hey, you know hey, you do real tons of things throughout the season that maybe don't directly cause threat uh, to other people in your community, which multiple people said during that school board meeting of saying, I don't feel safe. My kids don't feel safe. Their friends don't, and they don't want to go to the games anymore. And that, that can't be the best way forward, right? That, that doesn't feel right to me at all. More people should do those appreciation nights. High school, college, professional sports. We should be appreciate. There should be a teacher appreciation. There should be a uh, a food truck appreciation. There should local be a appreciation. Yeah, local uh, local youth night appreciation. Like we need to do more of those. 
I, I don't I don't care what we're talking about right now. I just wanted to make that point. Every single football team in the nation should have a first responders. Just make every night. night. Look, it's it's minor league baseball, right? Like uh, you're a high school football. Thank game, you. Especially especially if you're in Southern California, you're competing yes. for nine thousand other things people do. Make everything a night. You know, Heck you, yes. You, you don't you don't have bobbleheads, but you can make everything a night. Bro, um, call us. We will be your marketing department. Hit us yeah. up. Well, and I, I do I did want to say just because I thought Tyler, you touched on something interesting there, which is look, the, the job of a school like regardless of my own personal feelings about that flag or whatever, and I and I have plenty of personal feelings. Um I don't think it's a place of a school district to tell a kid what a symbol means to him. I don't think that that's uh I don't think that that's right. It's not their um, place to tell anybody how they feel. If we're being really, really honest, they say public school district. You're not supposed to yeah. be telling people how to feel. But, but because they're a public school district, it's an interesting. This is a specifically really thorny issue because if other kids are coming to you, if black kids in your school district are coming to you and saying, "I don't feel safe going to a football game where there's a hundred people around me wearing this flag that I just saw." used in these other ways you know we mentioned uh, some of that that you know is obviously not news that we're breaking so it's a difficult thing for them to figure out but the way that you figure these issues out uh and i'm a big on consensus building you're not going to make everyone in your community see every issue the same way you can't do it no point in trying but what you can do is you can get people in a room and try and figure out some common ground and i would bet and i have uh family that live in that city it's a it's a city with a lot of community pride. I would bet that there's plenty of places for them to find common ground. And I would bet that there's a way you can say, hey, you want to recognize the, the members of your uh, team's family who are in law enforcement, the members in our community. What about these other ways, as Tyler mentioned? What about running out with the, the, the badge on a flag from the police department, whatever? But instead, you've sort of put this kid in a situation. We all know you're 17. I don't care if I was wronger than, I don't care how wrong or right I was about anything. You told me I'm not allowed to do something when I was 17. My mom gave that strategy up real quick. Bet. <laughs> Bet. So, you know, I mean, I, like I was willing to, I was willing to throw it all away for my right to race my friends around the traffic circle at 70 miles an hour when I was 17. Bro, I, no, I, I, was, I was ready to die on the hill of having to tuck my shirt in on Sundays, let alone something this serious. So, you know, so, so from that perspective, in my opinion, they put this on the kid uh, by, by the way that they handled this situation. And, and I think, I'm sure a lot of people in that school district and on the school board wish now that they'd handled it differently, that they put themselves so. in this situation. But I do think it's a good lesson in, look, man, we can go on social media, we can watch TV, you can see the national political discourse and get caught up in that stuff all you want. But that's not the way you manage local communities. That's not the way we cover stuff. All three of us have opinions on this subject. We're not sharing right now because that's not what it's about. Exactly. We could start a political podcast and talk about that if that's what we wanted to do. Right. This is about how you make people feel included and safe in their community. And that's both sides of that 11 people speaking out for the flag and 12 people speaking out against the flag. But they, as a school district, drew that line right down the middle of their community and said, which side of this are you on? That's what Twitter and YouTube are doing with their algorithms to try and drive engagement. That's not how you manage a local community. In a local community, you go, hey, we all love going to X mall. We all love going to X park. Let's sit down together and figure this out. And that's not what they did. And, and I kind of think they're paying the price that they sort of deserve at this point. 
Yeah, they're driving views up uh, all across the Southland of their school board meetings, which you would think that they wouldn't necessarily want, uh, <laughs> as, at least uh, on this on this topic. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we don't necessarily always jump and always try to talk politics. I think people maybe eye roll or uh, don't want to hear about that kind of stuff. They just want to focus on sports. But that's just not the reality. That's, you know, everything is connected. You know, people are politics. People are athletes. And ultimately, these things do seep in. And there's no reason to turn a blind eye to it um, because it's just the reality that we face. And it's part of the subtext of this football game. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. And obviously, it's great that we're going to have multiple people there to kind of capture the moment and report accurately on, you know, what's what's going on. You know, who's playing, uh, what was brought out before the game. I'm sure Milliken will bring out multiple flags before the game. They've got their win the day. They usually bring out the American flag as well. I don't expect any of that to change. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we do want to focus on the football. We will do our full, you know, five, six, two coverage of the game. And that is ultimately what's important. This won't, you know, this might not matter. It certainly won't matter for Milliken next week, one way or the other, either they're still in the playoffs or they're not. So, um, that's how it's going to be. And, uh, you know, you can't run from it, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to seeing what happens. And I, I think it's just kind of a slice of Americana being shoved into, um, yeah, <laughs> sports as uncomfortable as it may be. It's just the world we're, we're it, in. It really is. And it's so weird how some of that Americana stuff is like put on sports table and it's like, here, figure this out. It's like, okay, well, we're just here to throw a ball around, but I guess we can, you know, solve social inequality. That's right. totally on the table now. Because, because if I can add, um, and I, you know, look, I'm on a, um, I, I, I co-host a, a national sports podcast and we grapple with that quite a bit. I fully recognize people's right to just want sports to be entertainment. I actually like completely understand that, that mentality. Like I have stuff that I do like sports is work for me. So, you know, this is all part of work to me, but like, you know, I have um, I have books that I read that are like a fantasy book or something, right? If I'm reading that and in the middle of that, they start talking about the worst thing that's ever happened in my community, that's a real bummer for me. <laughs> and so I understand that position, but here's the problem. We don't talk about it anywhere else as a society. <laughs> there is no other place where we're sitting down and, and having to find the common ground. Everywhere else that this stuff gets talked about, you can block someone on Twitter, you can throw a middle finger at someone up on YouTube or whatever, and you can shut the door and go away. These kids are playing a football game on Friday night. And I'm not saying that they're on opposite sides of some issue. I'm saying that the Saugus community and the Long Beach community are going to find enough common cause to put our children from our communities on a football field together with referees that are gonna hopefully be right down the middle in terms of how they're officiating everything. And that's gonna happen. And honestly, it is really sad to say this, but the reason you can't keep this stuff out of sports is the same reason that JJ couldn't take, you know, that, that horrible shooting that happened in their community out of his coverage of Wilson going up there right after that happened. If we solved gun violence as a problem, we wouldn't need to talk about it at football games. Right? If yeah. we'd bridge the community, if we'd bridge these divides in our community, yeah. there wouldn't be any divides in our community. I mean, but I mean, sports are one of the few places where you really do still have to come together. In the Saugus football locker room, those kids have to come together and figure it out. And that to me is one of the values of sports, but it does also put all of us in this situation where you just can't pretend it's not happening. 
Well, it's the number one value of high school sports, I believe. And also hilarious for Tyler to just be like, yeah, and then Milliken's going to run out with the American flag. a Classically, a flag that doesn't make anybody feel any kind of way. Nope, a, a completely <laughs> apolitical. Uh... <laughs> I mean, but that's, a uh, you know, that's, a that's always good money, right? Isn't it always good money? Can't you always? There's you know, nothing. Yeah, there's nothing. Uh, situation. There's no such thing as bad flying, right? If you're flagging, you're flying. That's press. So yeah, but, look, but 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 look on this on the subject of that, and I, you know, this is I'm not certainly trying to suggest these these divisions are just in August. Like the poly football team during the first uh, Black Lives Matter protests in response to George Floyd's murder, the poly football team took a knee and ra- and some of them raised their fists during the national anthem. We had a ton of people in Long Beach who were super pissed about that. And all I did was say, hey, this is how these kids are feeling. This is what they're expressing. I'm we not saying same, that they're we, right or not wrong. And I'm not saying you're right or wrong. We did the but, same thing with Wilson on the same football field who weren't kneeling. We were like, this is what they chose to do. They chose right. to lock arms and stand there, which is also a choice. It's a feeling. It's a group of people expressing a thing. That's been happening since time immemorial. This is not new. And I do think... And I don't mean this uh, certainly to take any kind of side here. I do think to some extent, part of what we need to do is all of us need to get over ourselves to some extent and accept that people don't agree with us and we're not always right. And that's Facts. okay. Facts. That's okay. And we can still play a football game on Friday night. Um, and hopefully that's all. <laughs> because as I said, and, and just quickly, and to Mike's point, I just want to build off that quickly, JJ, I apologize. But yeah, to the guy at that school board meeting that was, you know, calling the, people that didn't agree with him, horrible people and disgusting and all this other kind of stuff. You got to do better, man. Got to do better. No, and listen, but, but listen, and this is, and I, I'm, I'm speaking from experience on the school board meeting thing here, because when the schools were closed in Long Beach, those school board meetings were nuts. And we had people go in and tell school board members, look, school board members who we've disagreed with on plenty of stuff, look them in their face and say, you're a Nazi. You are trying to kill children. You should be out building yeah. caskets for children. I mean, like, and these are actually people on both sides. People are saying, by trying to send our kids back to school, I think you're trying to murder our kids. And then on the other side, by keeping our kids home, I think you're trying to murder our kids. And in the middle of this are five people, and you know, and obviously the county health people and all that, who are elected just to try and keep the schools running, to try and make the school the, the school bus shows up on time and the football game starts when it's supposed to, you know. And so, step one that all of us can do is ratcheting down that internal pressure of, I'm right about everything. The people who disagree with me have the worst motivations for disagreeing with me, et cetera, et cetera. And that's as close to a soapbox as I will get on in this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I said I said that last week. Everybody in this situation is just trying to keep their kids safe. How you go about that is the choices and the, the the issues that we run into. But we're all out here trying to keep the kids safe, make sure the next generation is set up to succeed like the generation did before us, which also includes disagreeing with people. But we're fine with that because this is sports and it's all about competition. And we're going to get two great football games on Friday night for you, the local fans. Like we said at the top of the show, it is Lakewood at home, the only game in town hosting Hemet while Milliken goes to Saugus. Long Beach Poly and Los Alamitos in Division One is going to be next Friday. They get that division, uh, that Division One first round by. It's going to be at Veterans Memorial Stadium on Veterans Day. So we are going to have full coverage of that, multiple podcasts, multiple preview articles. We actually might even do a podcast from practice. So stay tuned on that. 
Just got to make one more point before we get out of here, guys. This is a busy time of the year for us. We've got fall playoffs going. We've been working hard on getting winter previews out. Uh, we're watching school board meetings in various uh, cities on the same night. Uh, you wonder, oh, I wonder what happens at the Long Beach school board meetings. We watch them most of the time <laughs> so that you don't have to. So we know if anything interesting is happening. Um, and we do all this to try to support the community. And uh, we appreciate this, that the community supports us. If you value this podcast, if you value the work that we're doing and the stories that we're trying to tell, the context that we're bringing to the games, as well as the coverage of the games themselves, making as many athletes in our community as possible feel like superstars, please subscribe and support our nonprofit. Uh, we only run and function and do all the things we do and continue to grow because the community has our back and supports us and allows us to do that. Uh, we're working with our great intern class this year. Can't wait to see what they get done this year. So please go to the 562.org, click uh, the subscribe button. You can also go to the support tab right there on the website. Gives you a lot of different ways that you can support the work that we do. The best way is to subscribe on Patreon. Um, you can sign up to give us a, a, a few bucks every month, whatever you can afford. We really would appreciate it. It's fully tax deductible. It's Tyler's uh, birthday. It's Tyler's oh, birthday. Yeah. Sign, up on, sign up, up on the Patreon. Sign up on the Patreon. Yeah, that's all I want. I'll blow out my candles hoping that you sign up on Patreon. So uh, please don't don't let the uh, don't let the wish flop, please. <laughs> uh, that's actually a perfect time to put a hey. This is how you can do that. So. The live updates that we've been doing have been very popular, especially on football nights, because we're able to get some video up on Twitter. So if you can't make it to the game, you can follow along with our live updates. Those live updates are currently without a sponsor. If you've seen, we've gotten sponsors for oh, schools really, and sports separately. So you can be a sponsor of a school and a sport. Well, you can be a sponsor of the live updates. Get at us. Hit up Tyler, Tyler at the 562.org, JJ at the 562.org, Mike at the 562.org. The easiest emails of all time. Just a little bit of help for the community could give you a lot of exposure. We are getting thousands of hits on those live updates every single day. And it's not just for football. It's for water polo. It's for volleyball. It's for the upcoming winter sports like basketball. Basketball night in Long Beach is going to be lit the562.org bull night so definitely get involved you can be the sponsor of the live updates it's all happening at the562.org if it's all about long beach sports and we are chock full of that man we will see you in the stands this weekend take care long beach happy birthday tyler